This is Andrew Young. And this is Carl Quinn. And it is a pleasure to be here, Andrew. It is. Welcome to the Clappers. Welcome to the Clappers. Welcome to the Clappers. Welcome to the Clappers. That's me giving myself a little clap. <laughs> oh! I must be talking really quickly. So we're going to the Clappers. The other thing is... What? I didn't say anything about the penis. Oh, please. And what testicles. are we talking about now? What are we talking the about film now? That I saw that I forgot already. Tell the me. spy who dumped me. Oh, <laughs> That was great. I love that penis. Seen from both sides. You never see that. That was uh, great. Don't you reckon that was great? Were you delighted to see that? Uh, remind me. What are you talking about? At the very, very start, when they're in the apartment, yeah. she brings home Victor, yeah. who's in the nude, yeah. and comes out to kill uh, Drew. Oh, yeah. He's in the nude, yeah. and you've failed to notice his testicles or penis. Is no, that what you're telling me? No, no. I, I, now that you've mentioned it, yes. I mean, you do actually see penises and testicles occasionally in movies these days. Yeah, I hardly do. I must be seeing the wrong ones, because really? I, I can't remember really? the last time. Debbie does balance. Oh, yeah, I can no. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, really, Carl, what's, really on to get out more. <laughs> what's on this week's episode <laughs> of The Clappers? <laughs> <laughs> We won't be talking about penises or testicles or any other organs of generation, but we will be talking about The Spy Who Dumped Me and Homesick for Another World by Otessa Moshfeg. And we'll be revisiting The Wife because somebody has come to see it. Yeah, no, yes. And finally, we'll be talking about it. Ooh, I'm not going to say what it is. No, 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 we're not going to oh, say it. It's going to be gonna really fun. It is, it's going to be a surprise. Oh, a little surprise. Yeah, that's what you get. Did you get out of the house this week? Oh, shut up. Man. <laughs> I'll tell you what I did, okay? What I did today uh, from my um, manse in rural Victoria, mm. I cycled through the Australian bush to the cinema and did saw you? a motion picture. Did you? You cycled through the Australian bush? Yes, I did. From, I did. From Chateau de Young? Yeah, from, from, from my manse. Mm. And it took me 30 Three minutes to get there and 34 to ride home because I was battling a headwind. Mm. But I do have sturdy thighs. Mm. So, so, you know, uh, I I was still passed by many elderly cyclists. But (laughs) nonetheless, we have a lot of elderly cyclists up in the, uh, the area of Victoria where I live, so... I can't remember if I've, I've mentioned this, but when I was in New Zealand cycling... Oh, you mentioned it. ...and got passed by the, the elderly <laughs> cyclists on electric bikes, right, who, who kind of went through the motions of pedalling as they're going. Uh, uh, and, you, and in fact, I did get on one very briefly, and you do need to pedal to get the maximum okay, benefit out right, of it. It's okay, kind of like, yeah. it says, I'll meet you halfway. Mm. Whatever you do, yeah. I'll see no, that. I get that. I'll raise I you get, look, but I've had but discussions the kind of, on the this. The discussion and, at the end of yeah. the day where they go, oh, gee, it's really working hard. And mm. you just go, oh. Go and chop some wood <laughs> is what I would say to those people at the end of the day. Go and chop some wood while anyway, I recline. you yeah. got to the cinema. Yeah, I did. I did. Your 33-minute yeah. ride there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what did you say? And, well, I, I, I first, first I paid some money. No way. Yeah, I did. Mm, okay. And I said, after I'd handed over my money, I said, isn't it supposed to be $12 today? Because it's what, you know, it's a Tuesday mm. today. And obviously, you'll be listening to this in the future. Maybe you will be listening on a Tuesday, maybe not. And the young woman says to me, she says, oh, no, we've got a different pricing scr- structure now. We're not, we're not doing that anymore. Um, there's no age discounts either, which is the first time anybody's ever said that to me. And then I realised that I was dressed like Howard Silk <laughs> in uh, the, the, the Howard Silk, nebbish Howard Silk. 
Ken counterpart. So clearly I looked a lot more senior than I perhaps would normally look in my British green racing outfit. So, but, nah. so you were being denied a mm. pensioner discount. Was, that's basically <laughs> what she's saying is there are no pensioner discounts here, old man. Did she, did she say it loudly? No, you know, like, no. Uh, there, there was, there was, only, there was only a few. There's only a few people there, so uh, I, I did. I I paid the most I have paid to mm. see a motion picture in my life, and that was fifteen dollars. No, it was twelve dollars. Eighteen dollars. Eighteen dollars. I paid eighteen dollars to see this. Goodness film. me, where were you? Platinum class. I was actually for a rare treat. I was in the aristocratical class. I was with the aristocracy, <laughs> except it was an aristocracy of one because it was just myself and my recliner and my legs up in the sky and and all the buttons. I think that's called the monarchy. You could want to press. You're to on the get crown. The, get the attention of the the people bringing you food and drinks and right. all kinds of things. So that was a good thing. Okay. I do like to have the cinema to myself, and I'm okay. usually fortunate in that. Well, I think the rest of the Australian cinema-going public would prefer that. I think it is mutual. I was just the most noisiest, <laughs> reveling cinema-goer today. Okay, what did you see? I saw The Spy Who Dumped Me. And? I had to squint then because I'm always forgetting yes. things like well, the name was, of the What film. did I see? What was it called? What was it called? What was it called? It was great. Isn't it, it fun? It was hilarious. It was so good. It was just a romp and so much fun. And was, look, there were a couple of things that, that d- uh, diminished my enjoyment, mm-hmm. of, of, as there always are in a film. There was a little kind of learning love and and crying section that mm. that I could have done oh, without enough of the learning the last thing I want is learnings yeah and people just loving each other up and cuddling and crying and saying how much they love each other and it just come yeah. on it's a movie about bffs it was, mate it was yeah no no I know I know I know that 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 I am not the audience for this film Except except ninety percent you were yeah well, I, well even more even more and and frankly I could have had and I think I'm I'm it's not just the men who will say this frankly I could have had a lot more of Fred Melamed yes and there's a lot of him to have <laughs> and I I could have definitely done with a lot more of Fred Melamed who everyone will remember as Cy Abelman in A Serious Man the Coen Brothers film. The uh, great, great character actor, very funny. It was, it was a wonderful film. So, so for those who don't yet know the mm. plot, uh, can you can you give us the twenty five word synopsis? Oh, no, no, no. Do you no, want no, me to no, do no, that? No, no, no. I, uh, or should we just not bother? What, what do we need to say? It's two two best friends. One of them has a boyfriend who dumps her, who turns By out text. to be a spy, and they get thrown into this maelstrom of international espionage, intrigue, car chases, explosions. Parts of this film remind me of What's Up, Doc. Do you remember What's Up, Doc? Did you see that? Long, long time ago. There's a lot of farcical element of of suitcases and chases and and cafe tables being, you know, split asunder. There was little aspects of that which I thought was good because there's a very sweet series of clips on... um, on YouTube or Google or something where the two actresses in the film answer text message questions from from punters about yep. about the film. The two actresses yeah, yeah, being yeah. Mila Kunis and, and somebody Kate else. And somebody else. And somebody you were all, all over this. It's Fred Like Melamed. a rash. Once, once you see that guy, you kind of forget <laughs> who everybody else in the film is, you know. He's, he's so charismatic. <laughs> so just, to, just to go to the Fred Melamed scene, yeah, right, which, yeah, yeah. which is... Um, <laughs> it is... It has, I think... 
the funniest line in the movie, mm-hmm. and, and I apologise. I am going to spoil it by, okay, by sharing yeah. it, just because it is a it's a nice little snapshot mm-hmm. of what you get here. Mostly, it's physical comedy in this film, and and you know it is uh, sort of absurdity and so on. Mm-hmm. But there is a little bit of verbal playing in this one. Um, he's playing. A, ma- a man who is meant to be a friend of uh, the parents of Audrey, who is uh, the Mila Kunis character back in America. And they say, she, she's the other one? Is it Morgan? Yeah. yeah friend, friends yeah. of Morgan, sorry. Um, the Kate McKinnon character. And it's, uh, you know, oh, of course, that's right, yes. And and um, and it's, uh, they're in trouble. You go, go, go here, he'll look after you. They go there. And, of course, he's... Maybe not the real man, but they don't know this because they've never met him. And he asks, uh, "What's what's the line? Do you remember?" No, 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 no. Uh, he says, "Do you enjoy Balzac?" And Morgan <laughs> says, "Actually, I find the more and more I try, the less and less I like it." <laughs> and it's just—it's a crack-up line. It is so. Funny. There, there's quite a lot of double entendre in, oh, in yeah. that scene where he's—he's he's asking them. Well, no, I won't. They're having dinner. Yeah. They're having dinner. Two young women are having dinner, drinking wine. This man is a gourmand, as opposed to a gourmet, and is feeding them up. And it's rich and fruity. It's a it very is. short scene, anyway. Yeah. But I actually. Because I had the cinema to myself, I did what no one should ever do in a cinema and oh. wrote something down on my I phone. I thought you were going to say you filmed it. <laughs> <laughs> there was a line in this film <clears throat> that made me equally sick right. and laugh. Okay. It was very, very, very... End- someone, someone, nothing is spoiled by me telling you this. Very, very, very end of the film where the secret agent who I think is played by... Um, Justin Theroux. I was going to say Justin McMahon because that's who he looked like, but but it's no. not Paul Theroux or Louis no, Theroux. No. It's Justin, yeah. but, but he looks like the guy, uh, the son of uh, Billy and Sonia McMahon. Oh, he was in that, that yeah, yeah. face cutting. What was I it called? That. that show. Anyway, uh, nip, nip Tuck. Nip Tuck. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he's at, he's at the bar and he's barman hands him a drink, saying, "Cracked bourbon cocktail with tobacco bitters and rhubarb zest," <laughs> and that killed me. <laughs> Anybody serving that needs a smack in the mouth. <laughs> Tobacco bitters, man. This bitters fetish. Do not fall for it. Listeners to the clappers, do not fall for this ridiculous bitters fetish that's going on around the place at the moment. I know you're not drinking out of jars. Well done, you. Don't fall for that. I nonsense. know somebody who's at risk yeah. of a bitters overdose. Yeah, uh, right. He told me the other day that he was yeah. looking forward to sampling this particular drink oh. that has 45 no, mils no, of no, no, bitters no. in it. And I was just like... How is that even possible? You know what I say to him? <laughs> Go on. I saw you coming. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. I'll just take that card. I'll put it behind the bar and I'll load you up for the rest of the night. We'll just run a tape, shall we, for the rest yeah, of we'll your life? we'll just run a tape for the rest of your life. <laughs> so, yeah, that, there's a lot, lot of lot of great stuff in this film. I think I think it's a film for, for just about everybody. It's, it's full of, of action, of fun. There is... An interesting scene, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's in the trailer, but you'll notice that it's there's a motor car, a luxury motor car, mm. a Jag, with a manual gearbox. Mm. Now I can remember in the 70s when they stopped putting manual gearboxes in their V12 E types and their other sort of top 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 end cars because the rich men who were buying them couldn't drive right. and were burning out the gearbox and, and, and wrecking the clutch and they had to keep replacing clutches all the time and it was just what's the point and so here's this luxury jag and this is this is like important for the, the setup and the joke which is a, it's a good joke oh it's a great it's a, a great joke manual gearbox and a, man i mean is this, if this is what's happening in europe right now 
I think we, we, we better make some changes over here. We, we already know that Vienna has beaten Melbourne as the most livable city in the world. And I think this is one of the reasons why, because you can get a Jag <laughs> with a manual gearbox in Vienna. N- n- not here. I of mean, course, yeah. of course, the I mean, Americans can't drive it. So. Of course, Americans can't drive it. Now, there's an aluminium Ferrari, which makes an all-too-brief appearance. It's not, I think it's really aluminium, but it looks aluminium. And, and it's one that I don't know. So, so keep your eye out for it, because I, I just can't pick which, which particular Ferrari this is. It looks like it's only a few years old, and it's it's beautiful and it's voluptuous. It's got these amazing curves, like a bit like a Lagonda. I'm not sure, but you check it out. It's it's really it's it's not the best part of the film. The characters and the jokes and the explosions and the and the scenes of violence are the best. Part so I just want to just yeah. want to raise with you the yeah. the action element of it. Yep. Because one of the things that's remarkable about this mm-hmm. film is directed by a woman, Susanna Fogel, and that's not remarkable. Just let me finish. <laughs> And, Jane Campion. And the the action uh, element of the film mm. is pretty serious. It's, yeah. It, it uh, you know, to my it's mind, violent. it looks like a Bourne movie or, or a yeah. Bond movie, you know, certainly in parts, in those parts that are most concentratedly about the action. I reckon it's even more violent than those, like in terms of the blood and the... Bourne movies are pretty violent. Are they? Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, I'll take it from uh, But you. the first five minutes in particular, it's mm-hmm. like, oh... Well, I'm in an action film. I thought yeah. I was coming to see a comedy. And then mm. it goes to the comedy. Yeah. And then it goes back to the action and back to the comedy. And then they eventually kind of splice and they become a more unified film. I think it's really clever. Yep. And uh, I, I, oh, I'm going to say it. I spoke okay. to her, Susanna Fogel. And she, yeah, there you go, heavy sigh. And she <clears> talked <throat> about the, the, she talked about the the fact she's had quite a bit of pushback on that. Like people saying, How do you mean? That, well, a woman shouldn't make a film that's so violent. Oh. You know, there's that kind of sense that uh, it's just too much, the violence. Catherine Bigelow makes violent films, doesn't she? Yeah, but Catherine Bigelow is making uh, violent films that are purely in that particular space. Not funny. Not funny. Not female buddy movies, which have this kind of... You know, full-blown hmm. uh, kind of violent action aspect to them. It's, I, I, mean, you know, I, make, I make no judgment about that at no. all. T- to my mind, it's a really clever splicing of those those two elements, and you know, they, as I say, they do come together to become one. They do. It's great, and, uh, and it passes the Bechtel test, I presume. I would say with flying colours, <laughs> this one absolutely, yeah. which is obviously a good thing. Yeah, you can look that up, anyway, listeners, if you don't know what the Bechtel test me. is. Check it out. Yes, do. Don't be put off by any of the, the negative reviews that you may Are have seen. Are there negative there. reviews? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 oh yeah. of course there are. There were negative reviews before the the female Ghostbusters even came out. Yeah, People were yeah. making negative Which, reviews about that. Which, of course, also that. had Kate McKinnon. I oh, did it. Okay. Yeah. I, ne- I never saw it. Yeah. Uh, she's a Saturday Night Live regular. Okay, she's, yeah, I didn't recognise her. And, and interestingly, yeah. most, of the, most of the positive things that are being said about the film, yeah. and I mean, it's getting sort of mixed reviews. It's not getting slated yeah. everywhere, but yeah. there are some people who've given it a saying, oh, it's cornball, it's predictable, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the, there's, there's some people giving it very positive reviews as well. But most of those who are, who are finding things to like in it are focusing mm. on Kate McKinnon. And I'd have to say, I think that's a little unfair to Mila Kunis, who is surprisingly good. I she's, think she's they're both, I thought they were both equally, equally great. I loved the, I don't know, 13 different <laughs> European locations. Oh, we'll just go to Amsterdam. No, we'll go to Paris. And they, <laughs> they got, they got bang for their buck. Yeah, or, they, 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 or they got, you know, they, they got, they got snow domes for their buck anyway. Yeah, they got a lot of value out of, out of all. We got to see all the, all the nice parts of those, all the, all the tourist spots of, of each one of those famous cities. It was, it was great. 
I'll, I'll tell you anything you want to know. I've never kept a secret in my life. Audrey shaves between her boobs. Morgan flosses with her hair. She has sex dreams about minions. Just the one minion with the one eye. She Googled it on my computer, and now I get a, a lot of weird ads. I've read a book. Oh, no. Yes, I have. No, and Hang on, I'm just going to I'm gonna put my chair in the recline yeah, position. Put the chair in recline and close your eyes, because this is a book that doesn't come in a red leatherette purse. <laughs> this is a book that comes... You know, bound in paper in the traditional fashion of books. It's by an author called Otessa Moshfeg, who is happening now. Okay, now this book is a short story. It's called Homesick for Another World. Otessa, Otessa Moshfeg comes from the eastern coast, the New England zone of the United States, I think. Uh, She's probably good mates with Meg Wallitzer then. There's a, probably a bit of a generational difference, but 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 maybe. Um, she wrote a book called McGlue, which was this frightening-sounding gothic maritime novel. And it just, it honestly sounded scary and violent and unredeeming. <laughs> and and so, so... So that's next on your list. So recommended. <laughs> and then she wrote a book that was shortlisted for the Booker Prize called Eileen, which was about a, a woman who works in a, in a prison, I think. And... Her characters are, in this book of short stories, Homesick for Another World, are all people that, if you are unkind, you might describe as losers. Each story is written from a different point of view, sometimes male, sometimes female. There's lots of pus, blood, vomit, snot, every kind of bodily uh, evacuation that you can possibly imagine. Except maybe sleep in your eyes. I don't think there's any of that. But there is, I'm pretty sure there's earwax. I mean, seriously, almost every story is disgusting. One even ends with the line, I think it's, uh, but it was disgusting, which was everything I hoped it would be, describing a bizarre encounter that I won't describe, but you would enjoy reading about if you read that particular story. It reminded me superficially of David. You know David Sedaris, Carl? I do. You know, Not personally. No. But yeah. You we, haven't we, had lunch with him? No. Did you share a flight don't to you think I would have mentioned Phillip it? Island? Don't you think I would have mentioned it if I had? <laughs> I reckon you would have, You would have, because we did talk about him a while ago, about his memoirs and how he seems to have run out of ideas for stories. Anyway, he's very unkind in the way he describes people. He will describe a person by focusing on the one part of their face, perhaps, that like their big nose or their their disgusting way of chewing. Or he has a way of describing... I, and this is why I'm glad I haven't had lunch with David Sedaris, because yeah, yeah. I would have ended up as a caricature in one of his you stories. Would have, you would have. Especially if yeah. I'd gone to see him in his French farmhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been, oh. I don't think he lives there anymore. Doesn't he? He has an English farmhouse now. Oh, God, he's just moving around. Well, farmhouse he can. He, he can afford to now, you see. <laughs> so... Yeah, so so there there are superficial similarities in terms of all the characters described at their worst, armpit stains on their clothes, uh, bad teeth, pockmarked skin, fetid breath. But the stories are amazing because just when you get settled in and you go, this is great, I'm really enjoying where this is going, bang, it's it ends. Not one story concludes in a way that you wish it would or that you expect it to. It's just 
you, you turn the page and that's the end of the story. And, and, and I don't mean this, this is not a criticism at all. I think it's brilliant. I think there's a, a freshness in, in the voice that she uses for her characters. And I think it's amazing how the stories do refuse to conform to what you may ordinarily expect of a story. So, so there's satisfaction in her refusal to cater to yeah. your desire for satisfaction. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Mm. It's like the, the saddest and the massacre sitting next to me, <laughs> ne- not next to me, sitting next to each other in the bar. And the massacre says to the saddest, won't you take me home and beat me? And the saddest says, no. <laughs> I remember, I remember that joke from Dave Allen in about nineteen seventy-four. I read you a little bit, just a really tiny little bit that I thought was humorous because it is funny as well as being disgusting and frightening at times. It's funny. Listen to me, Nick. Cut your hair. You look like a drummer in some shitty band. You look like a fucking bartender. Also, your scarf is gay. My scarf was gay indeed. It had cost several hundred dollars, but it was beautiful. Red and white checkered silk with long tassels. And it's offensive, Mark went on. It's supposed to look like what? Yasser Arafat wears on his head? Now teenagers are wearing polyester versions like it's some hip-hop thing. This is silk, I protested, from Barney's. And you know you can buy that on the street in Chinatown for $10. Well, you look like a gynecologist, I said. Mark was wearing a monogrammed cable-knit sweater and khakis. What does that even mean? It means you look old and, you know, perverted. What do you want me to do? Wear tight jeans and roll my own cigarettes? I'm a grown man. Rolling your own is better for you, I said quietly, collecting the last crumbs of my cinnamon scone, less tar. Now, that is funny to me. And was that the end of the chapter? Was that the end of the story? That's just the middle of the story (laughs) about this poor man who decides he's fallen in love with a woman who restores furniture and decides to pretend to own an ottoman to get her to restore it for him (laughs) and sends her photographs of an ottoman he doesn't own. So that they will fall in love and be together forever because he's not been having much success with relationships, this guy. What could possibly go wrong with his plan? He's he's got his great silk scarf (laughs) (laughs) tasseled. Um, What what happens, to to conclude that story, I won't tell you, but, but he does end up with an Otterman, with the Otterman that he finds on Craigslist that he's already sent her photographs, but the price he has to pay for it is... Perhaps a little more than you or I would pay for said Ottoman. <laughs> These are perverse stories, I promise you, and quite delightful in a unsatisfying yet satisfying way. So, Otessa Moshfeg, Homesick for Another World, I recommend it. And, and look, people do as well. If there are reviews in it. And, um, you know, people say things, blurbs. I'm not the only one. Don't worry. But you're getting in the ground floor I think you'll be able to look back and say I've been reading her since 2018 since the clappers since the clappers I think I can feel a a let's catch up moment coming on so long as we don't do that terrible thing Patricia Carvillis does and look it might not be her fault maybe the producers are to blame they often are producers but it's this thing called the drawing room with all this foley walking and doors opening and glasses clinking and Ah. welcome to the drawing and it is it is yeah and it's awkward and it just makes you want to pull off to the side of the road and put a gun in your mouth do you know what it makes me think of it makes me think of somebody doing a radio play version of Cluedo okay I've never played Cluedo Uh, no Really? Yeah, really. I played it was, squatter. It was Lieutenant Pigeon in the music room with the Moog synthesizer. Okay. We're catching up yeah. because Carl went and saw the wife and I didn't. 
but then I did. All right. I'm not sure that a mm. gap of a week or two weeks actually uh, qualifies as a, as a uh, catch-up. But you know uh, what? Uh, special dispensation. Special dispensation. What did you think of it? Oh, oh I'll tell you why yeah. I'm going to give special yeah. dispensation. Okay. Do, 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 because do, do, do. it allows me to correct my error from the last time when we talked about this. Mm-hmm. And I referred to Glenn Close in Basic Instinct. <laughs> and, of course, I meant Fatal Attraction. I thought you were going to correct when I said that she is difficult to watch on the screen and you were going to agree with me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Andrew. Thank you, Pastor Carl. <laughs> uh, so, so, you went to see it. I went to see The Wife. And I really, I really enjoyed the film. Yeah. I, I think it, it's not a mystery. No. From the start. From the moment the film begins. It has the form of a mystery. Yeah, and I feel that maybe it it shouldn't... I'm not going to say false intrigue here, but it shouldn't perhaps try to carry off too too much of that because I think it could have been a more interesting examination of the relationship of the writer and the writer's wife and even their son. It could have been a little more interesting had we dispensed from the word go with the the notion, does she, doesn't she. We're talking, of course, about an author who wins the Nobel Prize for Literature and it may turn out that his wife has been uh, collaborating more closely than is presumed or even writing them herself. And you find out, and, and, and I think you make the presumptions yourself from the start of the film, it doesn't spoil the film at all. It's a very, very enjoyable film. And I will say that Glenn Close's performance is balanced, nuanced, and subtle. She doesn't, and I'm sure this is completely intentional, she doesn't say much in this film. Mm. And there's a reason for that. And, it's, a and, study, and it's, it's a study in containment yeah. and repressed anger yeah. and, and restra- frustration. And, restraint. and yeah. her eyes... Montgomery Cliff style. It's a lot of behind the eyes yeah. work going on there, and it's 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 really good. Jonathan Price is great. The thirty five year old teenager that tags their son, that tags along <laughs> with them, whining and whimpering, and there's a funny scene where I can he has feel a, your empathy. He has a tantrum in the car about about his parents and not listening to him, and it just and Glenn Close leans over and says, "Darling, would you prefer just to spend the rest of the day by yourself?" Here's the here's some money. Stop the car. This man has a, a Liam Gallagher haircut and just looks like that the pet, most petulant character. Harry Enfield played a very funny version of a character like this in a show years and years and years ago. This guy is in his 30s, still lives with his parents and, and wears leisure wear and, and has a, a basin haircut, just like this guy, uh, Max Irons. And he, he did in life in the film. In the book, he doesn't actually go go with them. I, I did a sneaky thing. Well, not sneaky, but after the film, I went to the bookshop a couple of doors down and I opened the last couple of pages to see if it ended the way it ends <laughs> in the book. And it actually does. Right. I felt though and this is me like throwing the copy of 1984 across the room into the rubbish bin when i read it as a teenager i would have preferred there to be a different form of justice than i think a lot of people will say well there's justice done at the end of this film and i don't agree at all i think the ending is is exactly the way the author wishes the ending to be and there's an again there's a good reason for that there's an anecdote about Meg Walitzer, the author of the book, The Wife, where she's at a party and talking to a man who asks, finds out that she's a writer and says to her, would I have heard of you? And he asks her what she writes and she says, you know, books about 
relationships, families, sex, children. I'll just get my wife. She loves books like that. <laughs> and that kind oh, of thing, that kind of thing, it's funny and it's also terrible and it makes you squirm. And and there's a lot about this film that made me squirm, the, 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 the relationship between the professor and his student, who, who we see, the, as you mentioned, we see them in their younger days. Mm. That kind of thing makes me sick, the, the awful power games that he plays with her. Uh, there's a thing that he does with walnuts that... Oh, that's it's just disgraceful, that's isn't so it? Appalling. Oh God! So this man is a cad, all right. He was born a cad, and he <laughs> lives a cad, and probably dies a cad. So really, uh, the, your, your your sympathies are exactly where they should be in this film. And I would even suggest maybe reading the book if you like the film because it is subtly different. Oh, you, you like yeah, you like a broken record. You, no, you're like a pendulum. <laughs> one one week it's. I'm so glad I didn't read this book by Meg Wallitzer. So I know. Next week I, it's, I am. I next week no, it's read this book by Meg Wallitzer. Yeah, yeah. Who, by the way, yeah. last week yeah. was the author of YA fiction. Yeah. This week, <laughs> this week, Art, isn't it great that I am so cosmopolitan and contain <laughs> facets, multitudes, legions. More yeah. facets than a finely cut diamond. That's exactly. you. That's so, you. last week, Carl <laughs> Quinn, <laughs> yes, Andrew you Young. mentioned, just in passing, James Patterson. Mm. That, was, that was his yeah, name, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. James Patterson, who has written hundreds of books, yeah. collaboration with guys you've never heard of, yeah. right? There's a book that I saw by him, and the main character is called Jonathan Lincoln Duncan. Right. Gulf War vet, POW. Army Ranger, tortured, didn't sing, <laughs> governor, North Carolina, married his law school sweetheart, which is uh, who is conveniently dead right. in this book, single mum brought up by Lance Armstrong style. He is a war hero with rugged good looks and a sharp sense of humour. <laughs> Can you guess the title of this book and who the collaborator of James Patterson is? Oh, God. Oh, um, Bill Clinton. Yes. No. Yes. No. The title, the president is missing. Oh, sorry. Oh, I jumped in before you. <laughs> now, it's not unknown for US presidents to write books. Uh, John Kennedy, John F. Kennedy is known for his warm profiles in Humane Courage or whatever it was that yeah. was ghostwritten for him. Uh, Richard Nixon wrote simply memoirs. Of course, uh, I've written down what George W. Bush's book is called, Decision Points. And, of course, the best book written by an American president. Yes. The Art of the Deal, Donald oh, Trump. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not unknown. Obama's, it's not unknown. Obama's um, book is actually pretty good. You know. he, he may have even written it himself. Oh, I think he probably but, did. Yes, Bill Clinton has written a self-serving, semi- or, 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 or hagiographical book about an American president who has difficult decisions to make and saves the world. He's enormously attractive and virile, and, and women can't but stop looking at him. Temptation. Oh, he, and he resists. He resists. resists. He resists. That's the I very did not thing. have sex with that woman. Sexual relations. Or sexual, sexual. relations. Sexual. I remember we all laughed about how they were sexual and not sexual because that's a different thing over there because in different states i think we may have touched on this before in different states certain acts between humans that you wouldn't bat an eyelid over here are illegal and they put signs up in the motel and hotel rooms reminding you that these particular acts are not legal like what oh fellatio really yep 
in Atlanta. That sucks. <laughs> so uh, I'm not going to recommend the president is missing, but I just did want to point out that while mostly James Patterson's collaborators are people that you've never heard of and never will, one of them is somebody that you have definitely heard of. I'm guessing he got a better royalty bill than the usual schmo as I, well. I reckon he, he would have got a very you know they they get massive advances those former u.s presidents for their their they published works do. nixon wrote about 10 um after he i think he, he started in 1978 he was still hoping to make a tilt get in for another time seeing if the uh, the dust had settled all that messy business <laughs> that messy business right <laughs> messy business. so if you're interested in a book about a war hero with rugged good looks and a sharp sense of humor and a deceased wife Oh, talk about wish fulfillment. I know, I know. <laughs> but yeah, he's chased throughout this book. He he, he remains chased, even when hugging By the Israeli whom? Prime Minister. By whom? <laughs> feeling her warm physique pressing up against him. I'm here if you need me. I'll can, stay if you can want. Can I just delight you even mm-hmm. further? Yeah, do, do, do. They're, they're filming it. They're gonna, <gasps> they're, well, it's in development anyway. So will it be John Travolta again? <laughs> I don't know. Dennis Quaid? I don't know. Again? <laughs> Maybe Martin Sheen. Maybe it could be Bill himself. Could be Bill himself. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. He wouldn't be the first president to return to acting. Wouldn't he? No. Well, he would be, wouldn't he? I no. think he would be. It's usually the other way around, isn't I think it? it? I think Actors go to... Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking Arnie, but he wasn't president, so he was only no. governor, so that doesn't count, He does may it? become yeah. president. He? I don't think he's allowed to. Isn't that is it not still the case that if they yeah, have to be born? That's why they made that big fuss about the about Obama the and, and all that. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah. Until next time. We'll see. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> Just, until next Do time. Do it again. I'm going to say, until next time. And I'm going to agree. <laughs> until next time. <laughs> <laughs>